Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? You know, just great. Uh, uh, ready ready to, to talk about some watches, ready to do the watch things that we do uh, every week. Watches and, 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 and periphery. Yep. I, I've got a trial in the morning, so I'm a little like like <laughs> cracked out yeah that's how that always goes um but yeah no other than that pretty good it's like uh christmas is in the air in the city it's christmas time in the city yeah yeah exactly uh it feels very christmasy it doth um like my whole entire office is basically shut down right now but for trial. But for my trial. <laughs> you really didn't do a good job scheduling that. It, yeah. Well, so two so two of our attorneys are out. Uh, one of the attorneys is like borderline retired. And so he's just like phoning <laughs> it in this week. I work when I feel good. Yeah. Um, you, you know, staff is sort of in and out. And so it's, it's just kind of, it's like a weird time. It's that weird time of year when everything just gets real quiet. I've got... I've actually got hearings on Thursday. So I've got trial on Wednesday, hearings on Thursday. The courts are open, you know, till five o'clock Thursday afternoon. So my staff has decided that they're supposed to get two days off for Christmas. So they're all taking Thursday off. They so, do get two days off for Christmas, Saturday and Sunday. Right. <laughs> That's what I said. That, that was not, <laughs> that was not the winning argument. Um, yeah. Yeah. We complain about Chinese New Year taking time off. I know. <laughs> yeah, so, but no, I'm good. Yeah, how are you? Good, I'm a little tired. I have uh, I have irregular sleep, as one would imagine, on, uh, you know, in, almost intentionally disrupting my circadian rhythm. Uh, but also, I just have had poor sleep for, like, the last 15 years. Is it circadian or circadian? Because, like... When you say circadian, I think of the bugs. Is it? I don't know. I've never looked up the word. Me either. Staccato rhythm. Uh, that's that's the issue that I have. Proschetta. That's a, uh, that's a callback, right? Yeah. There. So this morning I woke up at three a.m. Up. Not like I'm awake. I'm gonna go pee. I'm gonna go back to sleep. No, I was like up. I looked at my phone because I was like, man, I slept good. No. So I went and turned the fire on and laid on the couch and. Fell back asleep about two hours later for 35 minutes. Brutal. I'm a little tired. I'm got a lot done today. Got like the last uh, Christmas grocery shopping list or the trip done for all the for all the groceries and stuff. And just kind of had a plug out plug out a day. How do you feel about pizza on Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving? Uh, it, Christmas is what oh. I mean to say. Pizza. For the main meal on Christmas. How do you feel about that? As somebody who my last three meals, like not just three days, but like not three meals, but three days of meals have been pizza. <laughs> I, I find it actually a little offensive. Well, maybe that's a, maybe that's a con- contemporaneous feeling. Uh, okay. I'm trying really hard to convince my wife that we should have pizza for our Christmas meal because it feels like warm and comfy 
and happy and also incredibly easy. There's that. I enjoy the cooking aspect though. Like I, I like Thanksgiving every year because I like to make 10 courses. Yeah. It's just, it's not realistic to do that for most meals throughout the year. Yeah. I, I like to cook, but I just have no interest in it right now. So maybe it's because I've got like so many things. Kim's like, what should we do about this? And I'm like, we should do absolutely nothing. Cause I've got to print exhibits. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I got all of our, all of our groceries and the menu done and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. All right. Well, my brother-in-law, his parents and all of their circle of friends used to go out to Chinese food every Christmas Eve. They would leave the kids at home, say bye kids, and go out to Chinese food on Christmas Eve. One of my high school girlfriends, her her family did Chinese food and a movie on Christmas. They were Jewish. That makes sense. Yeah. That was their jam though. These people were not Jewish. It's kind of awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Chinese food movie. And it was always like an awesome new movie. No way to go. I was like, I want to be Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) Those are two of my favorite things. Any other day of the year. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at. So you're underslept. I'm overworked and, we're we going to talk about watches. Yeah. We're going to talk about watches. A uh, little change of pace. A little bit. We're just going to do sort of like a, a, a catch up on what's happening in the watch world today, I think. Yeah. See how this plays. See, I, I think that's a good way to do this. See how this plays. Yeah. Because we're here and we're going to do it. And then we're going to publish it. And you're going to listen to at least some of it. If you made it this far, you might as well just finish it. Right. Or or at least listen until you've decided we're idiots and you're done with us for forever. And at that point, you shouldn't be listening at this point because you decided that many times ago. <laughs> what, this is 170? Can I get us started? Do, do you think that's okay? So, so one of the things that happened in the last couple of weeks of watches that I think we've amongst ourselves talked about the most is Georgia Gali released an S1 Timex in a new small case, in a mm-hmm. 38 millimeter case. Uh, I believe we've talked about the Gali S1 mm-hmm. on this show before. Mm, I don't know if we have or not. I think we have, but I can't say for certain. We've at least talked about it in passing. Yeah, it's been a peripheral at the very least. It's an absolutely gorgeous watch. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous watch. Uh, it's made by a company that we love. And unlike most of the Timex watches that we talk about, it's like a real watch. Yeah. You know, and I say that not to suggest that other Timexes aren't real watches, but this is like a real sort of enthusiast watch, right? Mm -hmm. It's um, made with 316L steel, I believe, which is the first sign that this is something special. Especially coming out of Timex, which when you say that, it seems joking, (laughs) but that's an uncommon material to use for Timex. So the fact that they're using 316L, Okay, here we go. We're on to something. It's got a four hertz, a Miyota 9000 series mm-hmm. movement, like a legit four hertz auto. Mm-hmm. 
It's got a gorgeous movement. The 9000 is not in and of itself gorgeous, but this 9000 has Geneva striping, this beautiful, beautiful sort of uh, gunmetal colored rotor with cutouts in it. Um, Horizontal brush marks. Fantastic looking case back. Uh, 50 meters of water resistance, which is pretty good for a Timex. You know, I, I think that they could easily go 100 on this and I would be like, yeah, that, that tracks. But this doesn't need it. It's a dressy, dressy watch. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Can I say again? Beautiful dial colors. Yes. I do not think I can overstate how much I love these dial colors. All of them are black. And yet none of them are black, right? You've got this very dark navy, mm-hmm. super dark olive drab, and this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful charcoal. One of the better greens on the market right now. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and one of the better blues on the market mm-hmm. right now. You, you know, it's that blue that's so dark that it's almost not even blue anymore. Reminiscent of perhaps a solar panel or whatever, right? Kind of, yeah. I don't think it is a solar panel, but... Um, just this beautiful, beautiful dark blue. And when you see these dials together, it's really easy to tell, oh, that's blue, that's charcoal, that's blue, that's green. But but by themselves, each of them sort of plays at that. I'm 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 black, I'm a black dial. Mm-hmm. I'm a black dial. Um I really, really, really enjoy these watches. And remind me of the gem and the in the dial. Yeah, I think it's just a manufactured ruby yeah. at the six o'clock. Um, and I don't know if you need that, but I, I also, if you told me at six o'clock, there's a set Ruby in my mind, I would say, I don't want that. But then when I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. I'm agreeable to it. It almost looks like it, it should be like a, like a brand logo or something, but it's just, it, it's kind of like a Movado esque just dropped in there. It's it's better executed yeah. than any of the Movado just drop a gem in there. Yeah. But I could do without. I think that I I don't think it takes away. I would like it more without. I think this Oh, you, you know, another thing you have to talk about right is that cut out in the case on the case side. So there's something mm. about the way they do this case. I think that the injection mold the case to create that skeletonized um case said i think that's maybe um something that you're either gonna love or you're you're gonna hate it almost looks like a two-piece case like perhaps it's screwing in because it it, on the on that interior line of the skeleton it almost looks like threads threaded yeah Yeah. and and, and i don't know it could be um which would be kind of neat um I, i think that this may be one of my favorite timexes ever it may be actually the nicest Timex ever made, too. I mean, this may just be without any, like, like a, empirically speaking, the nicest Timex ever made. Perhaps it's a synthetic sapphire. Yeah, it's like synthetic yeah. sapphire ruby. Yep, that's. Uh, I think I think you're right on. For it is the the most refined, best thought out Timex that's, it, that's there. And when I say empirically speaking, obviously in you know, the the 30s and the 40s, 50s even, Timex had very nice watches and relative to their peers, perhaps, 
nicer than this is. Um, mm-hmm. But that was 50, 60, 70 years ago. And so in context of what Timex has put out before this, you know, apples to apples, I think that this may be, you know, it, it's a Miona movement, which is a, a, a step in the right direction. And obviously. a big step for Timex. <laughs> yeah. And 450 bucks? 450 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's the watch I'm most excited about. Uh, you know, with that, I think I'll talk about what I've been pretty excited about. This year, Citizen dropped a new line a bunch of times. That's what they do. <laughs> but what got me excited were the Series 8. And not everything out of the collection, because it's a whole lineup. But there are some watches in here that just get me going. What I like most about them is they they kind of reimagine what they're going to do with their cases. They kind of they transitioned away from the kind of fashion model that Citizen was heading toward. And and I think that's something that Citizen has been struggling with. They do some very cool stuff. But You know, I think uh, for my part, Citizen's always sort of playing that very, very safe game, right? Sort, sort of like Timex or perhaps Seiko, but but they do it in a more refined way. Um, I, I think I think that we're looking at several companies, Longines, mm-hmm. Citizen, Timex, notably Timex, Bulova, are all sort of doing things right now that they just simply weren't doing 10 years ago, which is to say like really, really concentrating on a focused effort on that more enthusiast level consumer, the person that wants all the things, right? We're, you know, watch enthusiasts are like, fucking hey, citizen, you did all these great things and then you screwed this part up, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to give you a complete watch. We know you. We know you enthusiastic and and demanding customer want to watch kind of like this. And we know you're willing to pay for it as well. So and this is beautiful. This the whole line is great. There's some bums. There's some turds in the line. But there's some killer watches in there. And I think integrated I think, bracelets. Yeah, which and they they've got bicolor kind of cut out inlaid cases which usually wouldn't do it for me but in the application here it it's singing for me uh, but but with that when, when you're talking about these brands that are kind of recognizing that enthusiasts represent a greater purchase opportunity i think there's also the non-enthusiast having more access to information they've got to do things that stand out I think gone are the days of people going to the Macy's counter or the Fred Meyer counter. It's been like, that one's cool. Uh, I, I think, I think most people when they go to buy a watch, 
go and make a relatively informed decision. They go to the counter knowing what they're going to buy because they don't have to shop at the counter anymore. I, I bet statistically speaking, that's actually not you true. You think so? I still think that... Even in the, year, in, the, in the year of COVID when people couldn't go shop at the counter. I still bet that 95% of all watches that are purchased, maybe more than that, 98% of all watches that are purchased are purchased with very little research based on a trip to a counter or, or perhaps an online an online forum but with very little energy into what what watch they want Hmm. i think what we're probably seeing more and more is people saying is vincero a good watch and then finding sort of um review farm review farm analysis of Vincero that says, this is the best watch under $200 that anybody's ever made. And then they buy it. That's my guess. I do not think those people are becoming educated on watches prior to buying a watch. You think me, I am giving too much credit to the consumer. hundred percent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's unlike me, but I will, I will accept that that that's a possibility. Yes. I 100% uh, think that. But I think that th- th- there's got to be a reason bigger than enthusiasts that these big brands are capitalizing on the void that Seiko is leaving, that the that Timex is stepping up to fill that void, that Citizen is making transitions to fill that void, that Bulova has made some really significant releases this year, inconsistent with the last 20 years of Bulova releases, tending towards being better watch people watches. I, I think both things can be true without describing, w- without making, um, uh, w- without making wide, you know, w- wide sort of over the top statements about the entire state of consumerism in the United States. I think that both things are true, which is that one enthusiasts are enthusiasts for things like watches and things like pocket knives, for instance, um, keyboards, you know, name your hobby du jour. Of which we are all familiar because we're serial hobbyists and we suck. These people, our people, are more powerful than they've ever been. And when I say powerful, I don't mean, you know, in any sort of... We have a bigger voice. That's right. That's right. And the average consumer is still exactly the same. In fact, and we're doing a lot of their marketing for them and market research for them. (laughs) The citizen series eight, the one that I like the most is the eight seventy. It's a $1,500 watch. It's a Miona 9,000 with a $1,500 price tag on it. It's beautiful. It's integrated. It's a true steel sports watch. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's what you want. This is an enthusiast watch for sure. No doubt about it. It's a less expensive, you know, perhaps Alpine Eagle or, or, you know, dare I say, Nautilus, right? It's, it's the thing that the enthusiast wants for less money, but it's also more money. You know, there's no, no way the guy down the, down the, down the hall in accounting is going to wake up one morning, decide he wants a watch, and land on this. It doesn't happen. No, I think only an enthusiast who likes Citizen and this design. It is kind of a perfect storm of who's going to buy this watch. Yeah, yeah I don't... I don't. The ugliest one's the cheapest, though. 
right? <laughs> as these things go. Yeah. Also doesn't have a bracelet. So. <clears throat> as these but things go. this is a, this is a line that excites me because this is the this is a direction I've, I've been hoping for Citizen to go. Very much like that juju, 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 the Timex drop. They're slowly, has to be slow because these are big ships. The ships seem to be turning the direction that we're hoping for them to fill that void that Seiko has created and is continuing to create. Right. They kind of leave. Like, I think they just left a vacuum. And I think Bulova, Timex, Citizen are fighting to fill that vacuum. And I'm excited to see who wins because everyone wins when they're all fighting to fill that terrific vacuum of affordable, cool watches. So a bit of a segue, not directly off point. Italy. 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 There's an Italian company called OISA. It was started back in pre, you know, pre-World War II days in Italy. It was an Italian movement maker. Um, and, and they still today, they still today uh, produce watch components for, for Swiss-made movements, believe it or not. Um, and they have just recently announced that they are going to resume manufacture of full, not just not even just a Nebache, but full-on, full-ass, whole-ass movements. Uh, 2022 and 2023, we're going to see a thousand and then gradually increasing amount of movements. This is not something that's likely to have any effect on the micro brand world, right? <laughs> I wish it would. Can you imagine, uh, Wells bro doing, like just modern like vintage sick. cases with this fucking beautiful movement cased up in it. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, something like that could happen, but it would take it outside of certainly the watches that we're looking at, right? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a several thousand dollar yeah. investment just in the just in the engine, uh, which is not to say not valuable, but you know, there's an article. We'll link to an article on Monochrome where they show. Uh, at least a picture of the new hand-wound 29-50 caliber, and it is stunning. It looks like Iron Man's suit opening up. Yes, yeah, the bridge work is is next. It, it's totally next level, great. even though it's preceding level. It's like it's kind of like a time warp level. <laughs> Obviously, all hand done. You, you know. Tons of anglage on the on the bridges. It, I mean, it just looks totally crazy. It doesn't look like a watch movement. Yeah, it's got a little bit of asymmetry to yeah, it. Yeah, it's sort it's of fascinating. So, again, this is like not really uh, something that's going to impact our world, but I, I love to hear about it. It's it's kind of kind of weird. So, twenty nine and a half millimeters. Uh, which I think lends itself to the name 29-50. It is a hand wind movement with a 25 to uh, beat per hour, which is an a, irregular. 
Yeah. It, you know, we we're used to saying 21 or 28. So mm-hmm. that 25 is a number I haven't seen in use before. 60 hour power reserve. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's, it's an interesting setup. I assume that you'll see these in fancy fucking Italian. Watches. I don't think we'll see them. I think that's what it, I think <laughs> that's the answer. I think we know that they exist and they're out there somewhere. And uh, that's that. Yeah, that's it. But I guess the, the bigger picture is we're seeing these companies who were put out, put down by the quartz crisis slowly, slowly, slowly reemerging. Mechanical watches are becoming a thing again. Timex is making mechanical watches, granted with Miyota movements, but Italian, you know, defunct Italian movement makers. We've got American, we've got a, an American fully made, American made automatic movement that will be debuting here in a couple of weeks. You, you know, it's it's happening, right? We are we are very much, when I say we, I don't just mean you and I, but we, you, I'm talking about you at home, we are doing a thing. We're living it. Or we're, or we're participating in a thing, I'm not sure. We're living in the renaissance of the global watch industry, the decentralization of watches. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's important to sort of temper your hubris with these things, but... Uh, I mean, I think we are. I mean, we, we're going from seeing culturally watches all migrate to switzerland and manufacturing and design and development and it became the safe haven and stronghold of watches with pop-ups throughout the world the quartz crisis kind of smothered it and there's still some you know some vestiges watch power was centralized in a few places in the world and now kind of re-emerging all these places this this technology is accessible it's not necessarily affordable but it's attainable and there's a market there that makes it worth the investment and i think it's cool what do you got next up for me i read an article on hudinky from danny milton did you learn how to read is that a recent thing? Uh, no, it, it so it's speech to text or text to speech okay. is what I do with my phone. It just reads it out loud to me. Makes sense. It's an accessibility function on a phone. Um, <clears throat> it says, I helped my friend buy his first automatic watch. Here's what we landed on. And I liked the story because that's kind of what got us started. Right? The... The I I helped my friend. Yeah, the I like watches. Do you like watches? Let me tell you about watches. Hey, I like watches. Yeah, and it's so he he ended up. I'll 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 spoil it for you. He ended up uh, buying the the Sex KX. Uh, because no, it's a fantastic choice. Yeah, no, not the not the Sex KX. He he bought the um. The, the Seiko 5. Sure. Uh, the 5KX. The, yeah, the 5KX. Not the Dress KX, which is the Sex KX. Sex KX. He bought the, the 5KX. Uh, which is also Which a, makes a fucking great sense. Watch. It yeah. just, it makes sense. And, and I'm, I'm glad to see that the SKX's predecessor or successor 
is still carrying the banner of the entry level good watch. Yeah. And it's a, it was a good reminder story of sharing this weird passion that we have and finding a use for these vaults of knowledge that we've filled up and accumulated in an accessible way. And I liked it. It's just, it's one of those reminders of we're, we're not just doing this. We are just doing this for us. This is a, for me hobby. I don't give a shit about anybody else or anything that anybody thinks, but it's nice to share it with somebody and share that joy with somebody. Yeah. And in this year, two years, geez of COVID, we kind of lost that opportunity to really share that passion. And I was, I was just happy to see that story. You know what I like about Danny and what I like about this article? Uh, I say Danny. Like, like like we're friends. Like I'm homies with oh. Danny Milton. I'm not. Uh, not to say I wouldn't be. I just don't know. Uh, but I think that Danny Milton is like truly in the hodinky sort of world of like I've lost my ability to think like a normal person. And he, he even says at some point, when I see a $2,000 watch, I think value, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so which is so crazy, right? But he acknowledges that, right? Like, this is not... That's almost how he opens the article. This is not, you, you know, a, a, a normal thing to think. A $2,000 watch, watch being anything even remotely close to value is an, is an insane or at least extremely atypical... Uh, uh, opinion. So I, I like it when, and it's it's not pretentious, right? He's like, yeah. So you know, it's still, this is the world I live in. <laughs> this is my world, but also this is not a normal world for everybody. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a charming article. Yeah. I, I like Danny Milton too. I think he's a good author, good writer. I don't know if he's an author. Yeah, a, a writer in any of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got another watch that I'd like to talk about Ooh, that, that talk was about? Uh, re- released pretty recently here um and and it's a little bit off the beaten path here so i read about this watch on fratello oh yes um this is a watch by a company called presidius and it's a a11 watch it's it says tom rice edition and i guess there's a story about how tom rice was a badass joe back in the day um which okay yeah you know there's fort benning story and jumps and blah 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 uh have you have you lived at fort benning andrew no okay yeah fort benning nor did i go to the benning school for boys no you you were never there no oh man i somehow missed it all the things i did in the army i somehow missed benning you know benning is a weird place right you've got these soup like the whole place is is filled with condemned buildings like I mean, there are probably, I don't know, 10 acres of condemned condemned buildings on Fort Benning. And then right in the middle of the post, there's these giant jump towers. There's like a big... Which also should be condemned by my understanding. Yeah, I think they're pretty dangerous. Yeah. yeah. But they, you know, so, so for you at home, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically a crane. Like you'd see like a city crane uh, and it's just got a hoist and they, you know, pick, a, pick Joe up and they slowly winch him up to the top and then let him go and drop it (laughs) the parachute deploys and then you hit the ground it's it's nuts uh and scary uh for tower week right (laughs) (laughs) 
people break their i mean people get fucked up like people lifelong injuries yeah yeah um and anyway uh this watch so this is a modern they they call it fratello says a modern interpretation of the a11 which is basically to say this is an a11 sort of looking watch Mm -hmm. but it's been modernized so they've got two sizes a 38 and a 42 um We've got some pretty sort of aggressive use of Fotina. Yeah. Um, which I think I'm maybe... Are you softening to it? No, 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 okay. no definitely not. I, I think I'm on the extreme end of dislike. I think that you're probably a little bit more friendly to it than I am, and I think we're both left of center as far or, or perhaps right of center in, um, in in the opposed world yeah yeah i'm tolerant but but don't like but bottom line this is an automatic nh35 $250 field watch and I, it, it yeah. looks sharp 50 meters of water resistance which you know we always Tracks say for the a11 give me give me 100 for a field watch but really attractive packaging but we're the extent. assholes who want 100 meters out of a field watch 50 meters is kind of the industry standard <laughs> that's right that's right and this is sort of i mean it's a legit value 250 bucks um for an original design fantastic sized crown a great it's got a domed crystal which i think works really well um i really like this watch i really like this case yeah it's almost like they flattened a sphere and then just chopped the top off at like two thirds of the way up. <laughs> sure. Right? I mean, it's it's yeah. a really well round, almost like a bowl shaped case. Really, s- just slick lines in it. it. It's almost like a like a bubble. Yeah, it's got that sort of almost that dog bowl reverse curve. Yeah, but not. Yeah round it's it's interesting and i really like it and that dome crystal really complements it it does have faux aged loom it's not fotina i think you know i think fotina is 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 the term that we use but it's just it's just brown loom yeah that's right there's no fake aging on the dial or or case or anything and accurate yep um i love the fonts i love the dial fonts they're sort of modern but also exactly what you'd expect they're what everyone else is using yeah or at least, you know, within within the parameters. Brown loom. The problem I have with the A11 is that white loom looks odd. And I hate brown loom, but brown loom looks right on this design. Yeah, it looks good. And it sucks because that's not what I want. I just hadn't heard much about this, and I don't see many people talking about it, which is not to say people are not talking about it. People uh people talk about things that i don't see often but it's something that was new to me but we know everything and if we're not talking about it it means nobody else is not true i know nothing and i know all (laughs) so we are a magical team (laughs) i don't know how they're doing i mean this is such a good value for the bang that you're getting out of it yeah chinese manufacturing man cures cures all sins it's got to be off-the-shelf parts. That's the only option. I don't think so. I mean, that case does not look off-the-shelf to me. I, the hands are almost certainly off-the-shelf, but the that case does not look... It doesn't look It's a custom shelf, case, I think. For that price, I don't know how they're doing it. Big Ballard. Yeah. 
What do you got? I wanted to circle back real quick to condemned army installations. There's a, a little <laughs> post in, in Anniston, Alabama called the Anniston, Alabama Army Depot. <laughs> As you do. It's a National Guard installation and a training facility. The only not condemned building on this facility is their state, like joint headquarters for the Reserve National Guard. Everything else around it is like, is just pure condemned. It's just a wasteland. It's like Nuketown with one good building. It was a very sad place to be. There's also alligators. It was it was sad. Was it one of those places that got built for like emergency mobilization during World War II? Mm-hmm. Have you been to Camp Williams? No. There's a place in San Luis Obispo called Camp Williams uh, or, or, or in the slow area called, uh, uh, shout out to, to you, Blaine. Uh, down there, but this place called Camp Williams is basically the same type of deal. They they threw it up real quick during World War II to get reservists and National Guard soldiers mobilized, and it's Just still to there them, to give them their things and send them on their way. <laughs> That's right. It's still there because it's like, well, we got this place, let's use it. Um, but there has been zero zero capital improvement like actually probably like probably once in the 80s they got like forty thousand bucks and removed some of the asbestos <laughs> <laughs> some uh from some buildings uh and and Which remain condemned right <laughs> i was there for i don't know i was there so we the national guard still uses that that place for mobilization so i was down there for legal briefs a handful of years ago for <laughs> I don't know, two months, basically, living in the hotel, quote-unquote hotel, which is like converted barracks. We've all been in an army hotel. Uh, and by all, I mean Andrew and I. Uh, you know, converted. And for those of you know, who know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, shared bathroom and everything. Anyway, yeah, it's same same deal. Terrible. My next step is I wanted to touch on the John Mayer G-Shock collaborations. Let's, let's just fucking talk about them. The first one I liked. Liked. The second one I liked just as much. Same. And I think it has nothing to do with John Mayer. I think they're just cool patterned G-Shocks. Yeah, limited edition G-Shocks. Cool. I could do without the limited edition. And kind of the reason I wanted to talk about it is the second hand market for these things. It's not. It's absurd these come in really reasonably priced 180 bucks yes both both iterations the the blue with the yellow and now the we'll call it tan off-white eggshell <laughs> with with red and blue it, it, these are not special colorways they're 6900s too big yeah. to wear they look grand in pictures yes too they're big to actually wear carry but, on but people wear them and I, I could go from, I would buy one at retail, but that these are retailing for absurd prices blows my mind. And I can't figure out if it's just because it's the John Mayer limited edition. If They're it's retailing John for Mayer, normal prices and then secondhand market for absurd prices. If that's not what I said, that's what I meant to say. But it gets me into this tirade of secondhand limited edition watches. And it gets me onto like the Smith's Everest, which I'm still very angry about weeks and months later these motherfuckers who build a bot to buy it up at the moment it's released the smith's everest is like 500 bucks they're on ebay for 1200 
Like that's Rolex inflation. That is absurd to me. And I hope in the next couple years, we find a way as of, as the watch community to curb this bullshit. Yeah, we, specifically not not in Rolex. We're never going to be able to curb that. But this secondhand buy up limited edition for the purpose of scalping of, of the profit of that LE watch. I hope we can find a way to mitigate that because these are cool watches and they're made limited edition for a reason because they should be special. Maybe the brands make them more expensive. The brands have zero. And, no. and, and look, so before you sort of start, not you, I not know, you, just, Andrew, I'm, but before you at home start like, oh, dinky, John Beerman, like this is not a new thing, right? No. Like try to find a fucking Bape G-Shock right now on eBay. Uh, or a Budweiser G-Shock. That's like, right. Take your this, pick. This is, not, this is not something new, right? The These, Budweiser G-Shocks are dope. Right. <laughs> they are. I like those. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is sort of the name of the game now, right? So, um, it's commodity trading, and I don't like that. I don't want this to be a commodity trading game, right? It, it is. I, I don't know that we can get around it. I want it, I want to reach around it and not you, give it the reach, reach around. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. fake it, just, just nah. Do but, we, do but we have I, to talk about the G-Shocks, actually? Because there's like... It's like I, I loved both of these releases. Yeah. I would have bought both of them if I could have. Well, and I think the white one, or the, sorry, the gray one, the original one, you could get that for like a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it was available for an unusual amount of time. Like enough time that I kind of, I was like, hmm, maybe I should. And then the, and then it went then the hemming and hawing got the better of me. Yeah, I think I think it was the same for me, right? Um but then you made your own. And then I just made my own. Yeah. It's also a 6900. It looks really good in pictures. Hard to wear. I think the blue one or the gray one, I don't know. I think it's more blue than it is gray, but it's also more gray than it is blue. It's kind of a weird color scheme. That original one's like classic sort of battleship gray. I feel like I remember a lot of blue in it. It's like Huey. Gray with gold and blue writing. Very, very gray. I'm showing him a picture right now, and he's looking at it in disbelief. That's not the watch that's at your house. <laughs> no, mine is blue. That's, yes. Okay. So that's yeah, why I'm is, confused. Mine is watch cl- clicker colors. Oh. I bought a case. My brain's broken. An OEM Casio case. It's and then modded happens. it. And then painted the case with orange. Watch clicker. That's it's the watch clicker. I know. Shot. That's it's why I was. Uh, John Mayer endorsed it. He signed off on it. He did. We, we, we have him autographed. Both of our butt cheeks, and then we got the, the <laughs> autograph tattooed. I we put the watch in between our butt cheeks, and then he 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 autographed our butt cheeks, and then the watch was blessed. Yeah, that's what people do, right? And then he said, "Your body is wonderful." <laughs> <laughs> he did completely. <laughs> moving <laughs> moving uh, it along. So uh, anyway, with that, I think. The John Mayer G-Shock collaboration should continue. I think they're coming out with cool colorways. They're unwearable watches. I think they're cool. I just hope that... I know they won't. I would just like them to not yield such a great gray market commodity trading price. Yeah, you know... Uh, it's like buying fucking Bitcoin. Have them be non-limited, right? I mean, is there any reason for that watch to be limited? It, it, they could sell 10 billion of them. So just... How, give Hodinkee the first 500 or 1,000 or I don't know how many watches Hodinkee sells when they do these drops. But 
give Hodinkee the first thousand and then just move it over to the fucking Casio website. Everybody can get rich and happy and fat. Yeah. Everyone wins. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's I, not I, like Casio's got a really select amount of SKUs. There's a thousand of them. Yeah. I would buy like an annual John Mayer G-Shock. Yeah, I think I would too. Just have like, I just put them in the, well, I've got that. that I'd put them next to my Oscar. I've got that wall dead. Dedicated to him already, so it's yeah, like, it's on the ceiling of my bedroom. Though, <laughs> can I talk about one more watch? I think we ought to. Okay, because I've got one more watch I'd like to talk about. <sighs> this is a watch that I read about on Time and Tide. Sadly, um, not that I spent a lot of time reading Time and Tide, uh, but Seiko introduced a fucking gold <laughs> cocktail time. <laughs> Right, it's so funny that right after we break up with watches, we're immediately talking about them. <laughs> like me, the following week, and you, what three weeks later, we're talking about something we swiped left on, and now we're regretting it. It's got like a fucking back, back. snowflake dial. It's so fucking good, and this is just like that, oozing with sex. That crown, the second, it's the second hand for me. That skeletonized balance of the second hand that's that the Sarb has that this has is just it. It like it gets me wet. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Uh, I kind of want it, man. Even in forty and a half millimeters, I want it. He wouldn't like it though. That's the problem. In forty and a half, and it's gold. So you got you have two things for it. Gold looks bigger, I think. I think a, a gold thirty-six looks bigger than a thirty-six. A gold forty is going to look like Flava Flav. There's going to be none of the refinement that you think you're going to see, mm-hmm. although it's going to be there. Maybe I want that. Maybe I want just a big fucking go fuck yourself. Snowflake dial cocktail time. I don't mean, I don't think you don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just, it's gorgeous. And maybe the reason they made it 40 millimeters is so that you could truly appreciate all the, the great details in it because that snowflake dial, that's for me, one of the most special, if not the most special dial on the market it's, period i don't care if it's tiffany blue that's right i don't yeah. tiffany fuck tiffany blue this snowflake dial that seiko does is next level shit yeah and we're probably we're compressing some nuance here uh shout out peach pete and joe uh but because this may not be a quote-unquote snowflake dial but whatever you know what we mean um but it's like so iconically seiko yes like, if anybody else did this, we'd be like, oh, you're just going to do a Seiko Snowflake doll, huh? Exactly. We'd make fun of them. We we would relentlessly ridicule them. The only way to, to beat this dial is to go, like, the fully hand-painted, somehow magical fish grabs a gem, places it in a ruby basket, and then a and then a bird plucks it up and puts it back. <laughs> the jacket row. Yeah. That kind of sorcery is the way to beat snowflake dials. And and I, I recognize it's important. This is not a snowflake dial. It, yeah, it's a sure. fucking snowflake dial. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's totally, I, yeah, I think that's what I'd call this. So um, in any event, they're they're cheap, right? They, I, my, if I have any limitation about this, it's that it's a 4R and not a 6R. I, and it's 40 and a half. That's a, 
that's a reasonable limitation. There is a there's a huge group of people that prefer four R to six R movements because six R movements are known to have issues. But I had an issue with mine. <laughs> with that said, the six R is just a more special movement, and you know if I'm buying special things, I want special components to my special things. In any event, the cocktail times for many many years now have been four R based, and this is no different. Four hundred and fifty Great British pounds, which is what six hundred bucks. Yeah, it's right in there. Five hundred fifty, which is standard fare for a cocktail time. That's standard. Six to seven hundred bucks. Gold cocktail time, snowflake dial. Give it to me. Put it in me. And the crown. Ugh, it's yeah. like a like a like a big old pilot's watch crown on there. Just a just a big old big old ass. <laughs> big O. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I dig this watch, man. So uh, that's all. That's all I have. That's uh, all I have. I have one last thing, and I'm, and we can do it quickly. Okay. The Orological Society of New York is has opened as of December thirteenth an Orology in Art exhibit, wherein, believe it or not, just from the name of the exhibit. They are exhibiting artwork through the ages that is either prominently featuring or in the background featuring watches, timepieces, pocket watches. And it's interesting to see the spectrum and kind of the interpretation of what they're calling featuring which also brings into question how timepieces and watches have played into affluent society through the ages. From an, uh, a 1762 to 1785, or 1780 to 1785 oil on canvas, is just a portrait of a woman. And she's an important woman. She's the wife of a of a clockmaker. Very important. But it's just a portrait of a woman. And very subtly on the table is a pocket watch. And when you're painting with oil, there's nothing subtle. Everything there is very deliberate. So I take that, you know, this isn't like a like a cell phone picture that just candid candid right. camera captured something that's there on purpose. But it's a very subtle pocket watch there it is by no means the centerpiece it's meant to be there it's meant for you to notice but that's you know kind of the the baseline and then you know there's things like the uh the dolly uh melted clocks there's new yorker articles that are all all the dials there's just this cool exhibit of watches as they are represented in art through do, time. Do they actually have I don't know if they have the dolly. the dolly. I think that might just be their host, but I think that's as an example. I, I'd be really fucking cool if they had that. Or one of them. So the painting, the persistence of memory is the one we're talking yep. about, which is the melting very, clocks. very famous Salvador Dolly with the melting clocks. Yeah. Are they melted though? Hard to say, you know, it's a it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. If you were above them, would they look melted or would they look like the Cartier crash? Some art, yeah. 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 Uh, it, Which I love, by the way. Is the Cartier crash based on Salvador Dali's? Uh, anyway. Uh, there's no way it's not. Yeah. 
Which begat the other? Um, I don't know. We could probably figure this out pretty quickly, but I'm not going to. Yeah, it's not worth the time. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so it's got 60, 60 installments in the exhibit, and it's in the uh, Orological Society of New York. So if you're in the neighborhood, I think it'd be a really cool, cool visit. And a cool art installment. And, and and the Horological Society of New York is one of these like sort of goofy, waspy, maybe even borderline irrelevant organizations. But they do cool sh- Then they do cool shit like this. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's really... like It, it just keeps them above water. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it's sort of... <clears throat> there's a place for sort of that type of stodginess and... Credit where credit is due. This is an interesting. This is an interesting thing that only yeah. they could do, perhaps. Yeah, because we couldn't. We we certainly couldn't organize one of these like in our garage or something, right? <laughs> or I mean, even even a local art center. <laughs> there are organizations with bigger garages than us, uh, but that still may not be able to pull this off because it is that very specific chamber music type mm-hmm. of thing, like. I appreciate you, chamber music, but please... Don't invite Everett and Andrew. I'm trying to listen to Lil Nas X, so move it along. Uh, Can I sneak in like a bonus other thing before we start other things? Can always sneak it in. Have you heard the Anderson Pock, Bruno Mars, An Evening with Silk, Silk Sonic collaboration? No. So a few months ago, a video showed up on YouTube in my feed, which was two of my very, very, very favorite sort of music guys, Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars. And it was like this collaboration called Skate. And it's this video. And I was like, this is cool, man. Well, as it turns out, they made a whole entire album, just the two of them. I have been listening to it basically nonstop for about three weeks. And... It's it's so good. It is so good. Two songs in particular, if, you, if you're inclined to just check it out. And I'm not talking to Andrew now. I'm talking to you. I'm looking deep into your eyes, and I'm talking to you. He has one hand on your cheek. <laughs> I'm going to move the mic. You know, we can move the mic a little closer. Ooh. And get a little bit of that. I hate that. <laughs> Two songs, 777. And smoking out the window, and both of them are just seven 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 is an ass dropper. So whatever you're doing, just drop that ass. And smoking out the window is hilarious and just fantastic. The whole CD, the whole CD record, record, <laughs> the whole A track, both sides. <laughs> the B some? side is just <laughs> is just lit. It's fantastic. Yeah, I dig the shit out of it. CD. So. I'm disappointed in you. You know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. Uh, even calling it a record makes me feel fucking douchey. Other things. What you got? <clears throat> so all of you know that I like to cook. We even talked about it today. <laughs> you know because he said it earlier in the episode. Uh, I've, I got a kitchen tool recently that I've... I've really been hesitant to get because of the dangers. I got a mandolin. It's pronounced. Slicer. It's pronounced mandoline. Oh yeah. 
I got a Mandoline recently. Like Coraline? Mando. Oh. Oh. Like hyphenate? (laughs) So I got a Mandolin recently. And I'm medium about it. You're medium. I thought I was going to like it a lot more. And... Your your sort of like initial thoughts were pretty high. My my initial thoughts were pretty high, and and I've used it several times. I'm and and maybe it's just because I'm I'm really comfortable with a knife that making really thin, precise cuts repeatedly isn't isn't an issue. But in bulk. I really like it. So I spent, I I went through a a five pound bag of potatoes trying to make the perfect potato chip. Not just the potato chip, because I I came out with actually really good potato chips, but I was trying to make salt and vinegar potato chips because I wanted to make some for your birthday. I ate all those potato (laughs) chips. I ate five pounds of potatoes worth of potato (laughs) chips and and I didn't bring any over to you because none of them were salt and vinegar chips. They were all just salty potato chips. I wasn't, prepared to deliver to you not salt and vinegar chips yeah, i think so, you got to get powdered vinegar for that's a good the answer vinegar. so so maybe that's my other thing is how to make salt and vinegar the, chips. the good news is mike razak our, our our boy mike razak came through and delivered five he, six bags of kettle vinegar salt and vinegar potato chips for my birthday so they have even though you failed mike came through and I came through for me because I hate a bucket load of potato chips. <laughs> um, I was up every morning. Like I was getting kids ready for school. I was slicing potatoes, like doing vinegar soaks, doing rinse. I was doing all manner of things. But what I found was the mandolin was only really useful in a huge quantity application. I used it today for like an onion because I was I'm pickling onions for for pickled onions for tacos tomorrow. It wasn't worth the effort to pull out. I don't think that you can get an onion with a knife consistently thin enough for pickling with a knife. Like you have to be a, a serious knife enthusiast to do to do that successfully over the course of an onion. I've just done this with a knife and I got halfway through the onion and I was like, I'm not getting these consistently thin enough. And I got out the mandolin. Challenge accepted. I typically don't. This is the first time I've used a mandolin. For I that. believe you can do it. If you want to tell me that you can do it, yeah. I believe that. But I'm saying if you can, you are a gifted knife wielder. You just have, yeah, it's just it's just knife skills. It, and it's something that's come from a, a lot of knife work. I cook a lot, don't have that skill. And I think that I'm probably closer to average than you are if you can, in fact, do that. Yes. That being said, for people who are who are maybe not as confident in their knife skills or who are working in large batches like say you're cooking for you know five people routinely i like this tool it is it has a it's very much like my my food processor it has an application i'm really happy i have it i don't think i would miss it if it went away but i'm glad it's there I would miss a food processor, so it's not exactly on the level with a food processor. Yeah, I think it's essential. Unless you're Toshiro Mufune, a.k.a. Andrew, you fuck off. absolutely should get a mandolin. It's a good tool, but here's the thing. So I bought one. The one I bought on Amazon is currently unavailable, and they don't know when it'll be back in stock. You bought the last one. <laughs> Evidently. Um, 
Buy one with a guard. They don't all come with a guard. You got to have a guard. Where, use the fucking guard. You have I, to have a guard. I for know so many people who have removed large chunks of their body with a mandolin because they were being lazy. They come with a guard. Use the guard. And if, if you want to even go extra safe, wear the cut glove that also comes in the box. Right. Put it all back in the box <laughs> and then you are impervious to the dangers of the mandolin. But mandolins and bagel slicers, I think, are the number two kitchen accidents outside of Thanksgiving cooking when that's exploding turkeys in your oil. Because <laughs> people put in a frozen turkey into oil and then they put it in too much oil and then their house is on fire. Yeah. I will never understand that. Just this year, I think Jimmy Kimmel blew up a, a frozen turkey in his face, like dusted his eyebrows off. A- everyone did. I, every year, right after Thanksgiving, I watched like the best 10 f- turkey frying accidents. And it's like, man, how did you not see that coming? And there's I think enough. It's hard to know when a turkey is thought. That's the problem. Is it's And so people invariably don't thaw that they think it's thawed when in fact it is it's not just that but they put they fill the five gallon kettle with oil and then they drop three and a half gallons worth of turkey into it and they're like man all this oil is falling out onto the fuego and oh it's on fire and now my house is on fire like do things that make sense put that frozen bitch into the pot top it off with oil use the proper tools thaw it out Per the guidance on the turkey wrapper, and then fry your turkey because I've done fried turkey. It's delightful. It's it, it's not for like I I the way I like it. I per, the way I do it. I prefer it. Otherwise, I'd be frying turkeys. But I said that to Betty the other day. I said, "Do things that make sense," and she said to me, "Do things that make sense." And I, oh. God, I cannot tell you how many people have heard the click click of handcuffs. <laughs> And me behind them saying, do things that make sense. <laughs> uh, dozens and dozens of people have heard that. I've got another thing. Do me. Have you watched For All Mankind? No, I don't have Apple TV. But it looks really good. Y- you know, it's really good. It's it's surprisingly, unexpectedly really good. And, and, and it's not perfect. So a lot of times I talk about things... <laughs> in these, you, you know, very optimistic and, and borderline infallible tones. Uh, this show is not perfect. I think that the character arcs, the development of the character arcs is a little too slow. I think it takes too long to turn these folks into characters with any sort of depth. I will tell you, if you start the show and you get four or five episodes in and you think all these characters are retarded, uh, it's possible that if you wait a little bit longer, you'll change your mind. With that said, the show, the show itself is really, really fun. It is an alternate universe, an alternate universe space show. It's got characters, people, human beings who existed in the real world. It's got other characters who maybe didn't exist in the real world. Uh, Gene Kranz is there. Deke, why not? Deke Slayton is there. You know, there's a local attorney here named Don Slayton, and I asked him once if anybody ever called him Deke, and he was like, no, and if you ever call me Deke, I'll punch you. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Deke. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, there's these, there's these folks you know, 
uh, Werner von Braun is there. Um, but from the second, from the very, very opening scene of the show, you're starting and you're like, okay, yeah, I know this story. Are yeah, they yeah. able to overcome that that gap? They are. I mean, it's almost as if it doesn't exist, right? So, so you, the the show starts, and you're like, okay, 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 and then within moments, you're like, what? It's phenomenal. the The way the story is presented is really, really fun. It's just starting to get like truly off course. Right. In mm. in terms of what actually has happened in history versus for me, I think I'm like episode 10 and it's just now starting to like really, you know, the butterfly effect. Like a right angle deviation. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher has stepped in. And like, never are, mind the fact that there's these not real people in the, involved in the world. Okay. We're, we're now way off course. And, Man, and that butterfly effect was a good movie. Yeah, I, I think, think it I need was to go back to that. I think it was worse than you remember it. Uh, but it's an interesting concept, and that is what's happened here. But okay. we've gotten so we've gotten very far away, but still really fun. We're still really enjoying it. Kim did not think she was going to like it at all, and meanwhile, she is like, "Can we watch an episode tonight?" Um, like before I came over here. Oh, uh, so it, it's good. It's really good, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm intrigued. I need to get your Apple ID login. I think. We can make uh, that happen, brother. Uh, Sam got into Yellowstone in a way that I did not expect, such that she has been sending me ranch properties in Montana. <laughs> like, hey, we could do this. I was like, some real talk. Is this real right now? Do you want that? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now, I do not want that. No, I know that about you. No, I, I, I want that. I would be, I'd be totally agreeable to that. Like what Evan has is what I, what I dream about. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, you know, a quarter mile off the road, it's gravel. But I was like, fuck you, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Our writer, Evan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Evan Casper. Uh, I, I wouldn't like it. You, you know, in Montana, man, you, it's like it snows half the year in Montana. I could do that. I want winter. I, it like starts I want, snowing in August. I want deliberate snowing. I don't want like, I don't like this temperate rainforest climate that we have, that we have dry season and wet season. We have wet and hot and wet and dry. <laughs> it's just always damp here. We get mold in the summer. <laughs> Andrew, what else do you got? I'm out of things, man. I'm pleased with the way this year has gone. For those of you who do celebrate Christmas, this is our last episode prior to Christmas. So Merry Merry Christmas Christmas from the Watch Clicker family to yours. It's been a fun year. And thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 or at Watch Clicker at WatchClicker. Check out our websites where we have our reviews, articles, everything. It's WatchClicker.com. And if you'd like to support the show, we certainly appreciate those who do and would love it if you would choose to support us. Find us at Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to join us for another episode of 40 and 20, the WatchClicker podcast next Thursday. That's close. (laughs) Bye-bye!
He's close. He's close. <laughs> no, he lost it.